Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 The Yakuza Kick Radio. This is the bulldozer of Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us. Jesus! God and baby. Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Bearded Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you got me. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black dude. This bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, J.K. Morris, uh, back with another one for you. Um, I don't even know where to start. I never do anymore. But um, uh, personal shit, it's just it's not going well, you know. I got a lot going on uh, with everything, more or less, uh, as usual. Um, I, I feel good physically, but a lot of times mentally it shuts everything down. So it's, it's, it's all for none. If you can't move mentally, you can't move physically. So um, that has me struggling. Um, you know, um, just just everything with the job coming to an end and not really having an outlet or a place for what I do. Um, 
You know, that that shit is heavy. Um, cancer in general is, is heavy. Um, the just loneliness of being, like, in a house, like, you know, since October, and really having, like, two times that I had friends come over, like, since October, you know what I mean? So, like, shit like this, like, it gets real lonely, you know? Um, you know, I have my kids, but my kids, you know, I got twins, they're 13, they're, they're cool as shit, they can't be angry with that. You know, they they got their, you know, they, and they got their sidekicks, so they, they got somebody to hang with, you know? So, you know, it's not going to be a, a consistent, you know, someone to talk to or anything. My oldest is 19, so she's she's got a boyfriend. You know, she's running around doing things and working and going to school, and uh, she, she's doing a lot of great things. So, to no fault of theirs, you know what I mean? But it does leave me in a position where I'm I'm just here, just, just me. And it sucks, you know what I mean? So, um, I do everything I can to focus my mind. I have um, my chicks, my gardens, my cats, my... Uh, my physical training, my um, my fish, my you know the housework I have to do, uh, the just just everything. Um, video games every once in a while, you know whatever. So I have these things to focus myself on and really try to push forward. But again, it gets very empty, you know, at times. Even though I have all these things to fill that space with, sometimes it's uh, a lot of times it's it's very it's very difficult. Um, now I've told people that throughout. Anytime that someone's checked on me, I've I've mostly said it's very tough mentally. Because physically I'm a monster, man. I I'm not saying that like I'm some fucking, you know, three hundred pound, muscle bound, you know, unstoppable MMA machine, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um I'm just you know, I excel, you know, I, I um I recovered pretty well from the actual surgery, um, the whole time during this chemo treatment, my doctor was like, wow, you're really handling this well. You're really, you know. So I've seemingly just responded well to the things that I've been having to deal with as far as physically. And, you know, I got back to physically training, and I'm stronger than ever. I'm, I'm gearing up for my race, my first race since cancer, and that's um, no, August 8th. And it's the Savage Race in Pennsylvania, Albrightsville, Pennsylvania. Um, I did that one once before. It's a really awesome race. Uh, it was the only race that I could tell you that when I was done with my race, my arms felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything with my arms. It was, I had a challenge getting through it with my upper body as well as my lower body, which I could tell you that, like, even though um, the Spartan Beast and the um, – you know, some of the bone frogs and battle frogs, and uh, I've done some, like, multi-lap bone uh, battle frogs, which was, I mean, the equivalent of a Spartan beast, I would say. Um, but those things beat me up real good, and I definitely felt, I mean, there was times I fucked, you know, my shoulder up a little bit or, you know, my forearm or my elbow or something you know, just got banged up during the race and it was really hard to push through. But overall, like my muscles, my forearms, my biceps were just so maxed out from that savage race that it was like, I was so excited by that. I was like, yo, this shit really puts everything on you. You know, it's not just, oh, you know, your legs are shot, your head, you know, how to get through this race and this and this, because I'm not a runner. You know, I've done so many of these races, and I'm not a runner. I hate running. I really don't like it. Um, 
it, you know, part of it bores me. Part of it just, it's just not it for me. I don't know. Um, but the races, you know, you're going from obstacle to obstacle and a little bit of the endurance of the running in between, it all kind of ties together. Uh, gives you a little bit of time to recover your upper body muscles in between these obstacles and stuff. So I think it's kind of necessary because part of me would say, yeah, just stack all these obstacles together. I'd love to just run like that. And to a certain extent I would, you know, like Ninja Warrior shit, but um, I, I'm not to that level. And I think if I tried to do them back to back to back, I'd find way more failure than I have now. Because right now I'm pretty, pretty – top notch on obstacles you know what i mean i there's might be a few that i'm not able to accomplish but 90 98 of obstacles i smash um so that's you know that's what i'm focused on i i know i got a tough task ahead of me last time i just did the savage race this time i'm doing the savage race and the savage race blitz which is like the smaller 5k version so i'm doing the the six or seven mile savage race with all of its obstacles and then i'm doing the three mile after that with all of its obstacles so and just about the same amount of obstacles with just less space to run you know so um it's gonna be tough it's gonna be really tough but i'm so so motivated to do that because it's my first race since cancer the last one i did i ran with cancer i i did uh bone frog in um where the hell was that? I don't know. Uh, North Jersey. but And I did that with cancer because it was in June, and I already was having um, you know, the bleeding and all of that stuff that led to the, the cancer diagnosis. I wasn't diagnosed yet, but I was 100% dealing with that. Like going into that day, I had to actually like go like, all right, how am I going to keep from fucking shitting blood in, into my fucking – my under armor and shit out here. You know what I mean? And just like had to just switch and eat less that morning than I normally would, you know, preparing for a race. I would try to, you know, pack in as much fuel as I can on most race days in previous years. But, you know, and that was my first race back since COVID. So I had been out two years, did that one with cancer and now being away another almost a year, no, over a year, and um, I'll be back at it with one of the most challenging races that I've ever done, and I did that one in 2019. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's a lot, um, but it's at least something to look forward to because most of the things that I've been dealing with is, has not been the case. I was actually able to transfer this one because this is one I planned on doing last year, and then I got covid Right before my cancer diagnosis, I actually had to push back some of the colonoscopies and, and things that I had lined up because of the COVID. So, I mean, I would have got the diagnosis, the surgery, all of that probably a month sooner if it wasn't for COVID. But that also took me off of that race. And at that time, I was just like, yo, man, like, and I hit them up. Usually I have no refund policy or anything like that. Uh, no transfers within the short amount of time. And I was just like, yo, like, I, I don't know, like, if there's a way. That, and they, they were like, yeah, we could transfer it to next year's race. And I was like, holy shit. And I had no idea what was coming, you know, after that. So to have, and 
because honestly being signed up for both of those races and the, the fees that go along with it and everything was probably about 300 bucks. And, you know, last year when I signed up for that race, I had a job. I, I didn't have this situation at all. I had some of the physical beginnings of it, but I didn't have this situation at all. And, um, to have that signed up for and, and not have to pay for it. Cause there's no way that I could have paid for that. Now I, I couldn't justify spending 300 something dollars on a race, you know, knowing that that's, that's a portion of the bills that I could be paying for another month and, you know, and just trying to keep shit moving. Uh, I do little luxury things, you know, I'll buy my little fucking beard oils and shit. And, uh, you know, you know, I smoke and all of that. And I, I mean, that, that to me is more medication than anything because that's, that definitely helps me get through days and, and, um, gain the momentum and the positivity to shift my mind and, and get myself back on track. So I wouldn't even, uh, it is a luxury item, but in the same token, it's, it's, fits a different lane than, than the other things I'm talking about. But, you know, occasionally little things that'll just make me happy, like I'll, I'll go for, you know, but it's, it's, it's not much. Um, so, and then the other thing that happened too is because, um, you know, before I, I resigned from my job, after they threw the cats outside, I, um, I obviously was going to lose my insurance. So I tried to put it as far ahead as I could where I, Saw my doctor, like, the day before. I mean, I like, I, I made it as, like, far as possible, and I told them that, too. I said, yo, like, this is about to go down, and I'm going to have to change insurance. And, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we take state insurance, too. No problem. Da, 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 da. Well, what they don't tell you is that state insurance takes months upon months upon months to actually become yours to become something that you actually have you apply for it but that shit takes a long time um social security told me that um in order to get those payments that takes an average of 154 days i don't know how they got that accurate i don't know why they're so proud of that number um but that's fucking crazy to me because life has to happen you have to pay bills you have to do all of this shit but yeah, like it doesn't it doesn't coincide with with the things that you would use to pay those things. This is why, like you know, with the GoFundMe, like it meant so much because it bought me that couple months. And at the end of those couple months, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I had no idea. I had no idea. But I know at least for now, and that's a huge part of my fears too. A huge part of my depression as well is the future and the what ifs and all of this. You know, um, but. Um, so, so yeah, so insurance takes a long time for it to kick in. So, which means I wound up with no insurance, which meant, um, the chemo medication that I'm on, um, without insurance would cost me 300 something dollars. I believe I would have about three more courses of that left. So that would cost me up to $900. Now, you know, as this being a chemo as a preventative, um, and to try to, you know, keep cancer away more so than it is trying to actually kill cancer, there's there's zero part of me that would ever pay $900 for um, a preventative treatment. 
Um, I'm all for this being very um, necessary, and, um, you know, I have no resistance towards any doctor's orders as far as treatment and everything, but if, if the pricing on that goes to that extent, I personally would be better served knowing that a giant portion of my mortgage was paid for that $900 rather than even, you know, prolonging what I, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. It has to make some kind of sense, especially when it hits those type of numbers. Um, but also my doctor, um, can't see me because again, I, I don't have insurance and that also delays me from getting my scan, my six month scan, which would, which we're beyond, but, um, that, can't happen so I don't know if cancer's even returned like I don't know if I physically right now have cancer um and then you know that gets in your head too so everything that feels weird in your stomach at any given point you know um that you'll you'll convince yourself that shit's cancer you know and if it reoccurs oh it's definitely cancer. <laughs> you know it's just it's this mental shit that you got to deal with. Uh, there's so many levels of it and layers of it that, that I have on my plate right now that that's why I, all of this shit is so overwhelming. It's not just this one thing or this one diagnosis or this one, um, you know, um, experience that I have to get through. It's so many layers of things between the job, my actual health, my mental health, which is so much tied to the things that happen with the job, um, as well as just, you know, relationship things and, and just the uh, everything. It's it's very heavy and um, difficult, you know. So just saying that to Ven, I guess. Um, but, yeah, so a lot of shit just continues to kind of fall apart um, and doesn't really have much uh, – mm-hmm. I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel at the moment, you know what I mean? I got to – continue to push and, and believe that that's there but in the same token it's like alright you know I'll take your fucking word for it because you know at the moment it's it's kind of rough to see um, so as mo- many pe- <laughs> so as many people with mental illness I, uh, I've been watching more wrestling <laughs> lately uh, I mean it's true though and I have a lot of mental illness shit to talk about as far as wrestling stuff goes so I, I could definitely get into um so much more of the um same stuff I'm talking about. I mean some of the the mental illness stuff runs such parallels, you know, when you see you know, you say real recognize real, you know, it's like um you know, like mentally damaged, recognize mentally damaged, you know, uh it's uh struggling, recognize struggling. You know, you just you just see it when you're experiencing it, especially when you're currently experiencing it. But also, if you have experienced it, you can see it. You can't speak for these people to just say that, like, oh, I know exactly what their world is because I dealt with it. I'm not saying it on that level where I'm taking um, their actual, you know, voice away and saying, well, this is the definitive statement on mental illness because I've because I'm dealing with it and you know that's not that's not what I'm saying but there are parallels there's things that you see and there's parts that where you struggle and you find a way well what is that way you find is that way of vice is that way a negative cycle i mean and if if that is the case 
you can see another person who's struggling taking the wrong steps, doing the wrong things, even though in their mind they might say, this is what feels good, this is what I like. Mm, it's, it's, not, it's not what's best. So we'll get back into that in a minute. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the um, Tournament of Survival. Um, I, I went into this, I was so convinced, this is that wrestling shit that they do to you too. And this is like the harmless wrestling shit that they do to you. But I don't know. I, I got tired of that shit too. Um, when fans want shit, you know, when you feel like this shit would go really, 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 really well if you did this thing for the fans. And, you know, just for obviously they're the ones paying for the show. They're the ones attending. You want to go over with those guys and all of that stuff. So. Some of the things tend to make sense to me, and then I go, well, yeah, like that's, you know, not that it's crazy predictable. It's still going to take a lot for it to become, you know, believable. Like, so my thing is I wanted to see Joey Janela win this tournament. Um, and even if he didn't win this tournament, he came down to at least the finals. You know what I mean? Because he he entered himself in the tournament, said, uh, you know, been off the roof with Zandig, you know, people – think I can't do this, I'm going to show you how it's really done, show you how the wrestling and not just that hack and slash shit, da, da, da. you know, like, you know, the majority of the people in that tournament aren't really, like, uh, hack and slash kind of guys anyway, but, you know, uh, I don't know, I just, I just like the way that it was coming off, and Joey being a huge part of that company, and always has been, and, and then to also know that the winner of that tournament, the next night, fights uh the the masha chick who they gave the title to which is ridiculous but you know she's got the title and um as a you know according to gage the realest motherfucker in the locker room okay all right (laughs) shit is crazy i mean i don't know man like this is a locker room that used to be like schlack damn off fucking (laughs) you know shit like that i think moff was there maybe not um but, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's fucking weird. And even Gage saying that shit, like, ah, it's just fucking weird. Nothing wrong with Masha. She's good. She's, she's a very, very good women's wrestler, but uh, world champion. And especially when it's, like, world champion and then, like, world title matches that are, like, all chicks. Oh, really? All the chicks are the top people in your company right now? Get the fuck out of here. This is ridiculous. So, um... Anyway, uh, so, you know, knowing that that was the path that they were laying, I was like, this shit would be dope because if Joey fucks around and wins that, you know, they, they put him over in that, and then the next day he's up against Masha for the, for the world title. Joey takes the world title at this big weekend thing in the cage and all of that shit, and, you know, Joey's going to go above and beyond. He's going to do silly shit in the cage and all of that. And they take him out first round, and I was like, I'm done. I, I really, I literally walked the fuck away from my television after that. I got the Fight Plus thing, because I was like, what the fuck, man? I, I'm going to wind up watching enough of this shit um, to just make it worth it. Whether it be a GCW show, whether it be old shit, whether it be just whatever. And, you know, when I'm bored of it, I'll cancel it. It's fucking, it's like, what, $7 a month or some stupid shit like that? Some Some dumb price where it's not even like, the normal nine ninety nine a month, like it's less than that, for full on pay per views that would cost you, you know, twenty bucks. So you watch two of those, and it's like, oh, well, that's forty bucks worth of wrestling, and and I spend seven, <laughs> you know, like that's 
that's easy to accomplish. With me, I, I there's chances I'm not going to watch a ton of shit anyway. But if I know I watch two total shows, like that covers months of, of payment, then I think I can do that. And, and again, if I'm far enough away from it where I'm not using it, then I cancel. It's, it's simple. But um, so I got that shit, and I was just like, oh, fucking, all right. And I was just done. I was just done with the fucking show. Um, same old bullshit as far as I'm concerned. Spots here, spots there, whatever, you know. None of it makes a fucking difference to me. If you're not doing something new and fresh and putting a bunch of deathmatch guys together and running them through a tournament, is it's just overdone, you know. Um, I think a lot of the things that make something like that, to me, fresh still, which, again, it's hard because I'm not a fan. I, I can't tell you that, like, oh, I'm a GCW fan or I'm a ICW or I'm a deathmatch fan. I'm not really not. I, like, I dabble in it at this point, you know. I'm a casual kind of... But it all has to be perfect for me to give a shit about it at all. Um, or perfect to me, you know, like the type of shit that I want to see. <clears throat> so, I don't know, like, it, it's... The thing that would stick out to me is when you do, like, guys who aren't deathmatch wrestlers doing deathmatches. Because that's like, oh, shit, how is he going to handle this shit? Now it also adds the element of fear back to this thing that's been taken away. Because so often now, it's just bullshit. It's total bullshit. They're all cutting themselves and smiling and hugging and high-fiving and fucking putting each other over all the fucking time. It's just, it's, it's bloodletting fetish porn. That's all it is. That's all it is, and I'm not into it. So, not even a little bit. It's crazy because it's like, I'll see these matches, and you would see them on, like, XPW, where... It'd be Drake versus, who the fuck did Drake wrestle? Uh, Arrow Boy, right? But then there's like three other death matches on that show, and those ones are fucking trash to me because, and I don't mean like the main event, like the Schlack or the Masada. I mean like whatever these other dickheads from California is that they drag out that are like just fucking slobs that are just cutting each other. And they're cutting these fucking promos like they're Mick Foley and shit. Like, when I come to town and it's like the and Foley didn't even talk like that, but you know what I mean, like, like, they're so accomplished that, like, you know what the fuck my name brings to the table, and it's like, who the fuck are you, like, this is crazy, you're clearly local talent that's barely being paid, what the fuck is this, so this is the difference, you know, and when you see, like, there's certain fans that they just clap for all that shit, they don't give a fuck which version of it it is, that's all awesome to them, well, we don't have anything in common, because, again, like, my... You know, my bar is set way high for this shit, you know, because I watched all that shit back in the 2000s. You know, seeing all that stuff front row, I mean, that was that was the time for me to be into this shit. Um, so having seen that, I kind of got spoiled, you know, and to the point where I, yeah, you're not going to thrill me now, you know what I mean? It's like, um, yeah, it's like, I mean, if you spent like, five years just like banging porn stars left and right and shit and then you just met a nice girl and you're just like you could settle down but like there's nothing physically she's gonna do that's gonna be like i never even thought of that like you just spent five years with people that were doing shit like you know next level upside down shit you know what i mean and you know i, I just it, it's a hard transition to make you know to be like oh yeah we'll just do this version of this and then you know, they do all these uh, 
flashbacks to the past and stuff, and they really try to recreate history. CCW is doing junkyard matches coming up. Get the fuck out of here. And Akira has entered the junkyard. Bro, this is crazy. You're just moving ICW to a junkyard. <laughs> like, that's it. And they, they were doing it in, like, dirt pits, like, a year or two ago. So I don't think it's very different at all. Like, this has all been done. And, like, the Mexico shit that they do in, in junkyards, that shit is way more fucking dangerous than any of these guys are going to get that day. Guaranteed. You're not going to see nearly the fucking silly shit because it's, it's insanely irresponsible, dangerous. Laws are different. Everything's different, you know? So you'll see some old deathmatch shit, but just some old deathmatch shit as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, yeah, once Joey was out, I didn't give a fuck. And, um, you know, came down uh, the arena chick one. So that was that. Um, I thought there was something else that might have stuck out in there that I wanted to mention, but I can't remember. I didn't write anything down. Today I just, like, wrote, like, topics, like, on my, my phone, and I was like, I think I could do a podcast. There's enough of this shit. Um, oh, fuck. The show started. I knew I wanted to talk about Gage, so I would have got to it. But the show started <laughs> with the worst fucking segment in the history of John Zandig and Nick Gage's career. Um, <laughs> Gage comes out. Cuts his little bullshit fucking cheerleader pep rally promo. Where's my gang at? Yeah, give me him. Give me him. Yeah, all this shit. Uh, but uh, then he demands Dewey goes and gets the fucking trophy and he'll cut him if he doesn't because that's what he always does. Yeah, he always cuts Dewey for shit. Um, you know, I mean, how, how long can you threaten a guy, like, before? Eh, I think it's an empty threat, but you've been talking that shit for 20 years. Like, you seem to hurt everybody but me. So, you know what? If all you're going to do is grab my, my lapels, go fuck yourself, you know? You go get the fucking thing. That's <laughs> what so I tell him after, especially after seeing all the shit that he's up to. Or he has been up to, whatever the fuck you want to say. Um, so, he, he tells him, yeah, go get the trophy. So... Dewey goes into the curtain, and he comes back out looking like, uh, you know, oh, shit, it's about to go down. And uh, Zandig comes out with the trophy. Zandig comes out with the trophy, and he puts it down in the ring. And he, he grabs the mic, and he goes, For anyone who doesn't know me, my name is John fucking Zandig. Me and this guy started up CZW, and then we start, and then he just, Nick Gage hits him with a bundle of light tubes, and Zandig looks at him like he's confused why he did that, because he was, like, this shit wasn't even planned, so I, I still, to this day, don't know exactly who the fuck's plan, or why the fuck, because no, this didn't look good for nobody, this didn't look good for the company, this didn't look good for Gage, this didn't look good for Zandig, this didn't look good for fucking anything, the tournament, this, this didn't look good for a fucking thing. He hits him with the fucking tubes over his head. He doesn't fucking sell it at all. He picks up a tube and just, like, bops him on the head with it. Like, he, he was, like, putting a spell on him. <laughs> he just bonks him on the head with it. And now Gage does some, like, weird attack where he kind of backs him into the corner. And they're kind of, like, reluctantly hitting each other. This brawl looks like when, when mascots get into a fake wrestling match in the seventh inning stretch, 
during a baseball game where they start doing, like, Hogan spots and shit. That's the coordination the two of these guys had during this. This shit looked like, you know, when the fucking, when the gym teacher busts out some dance moves during the fucking assembly, and you're like, oh, look at Mr. Anderson go, you know? That's what the fuck these two looked like out there. They didn't look like fucking professional wrestlers. They didn't look like they actually did this shit for real. They looked like buffoons that were trying to do something that was out of their league. And if you know who the fuck they are and you know what their past was, it's embarrassing. It's fucking embarrassing. Stay your crazy Trumper ass at home and fix pipes. You ain't, you ain't built for this shit anymore. You ain't built for this shit anymore at all. The last time you had an actual match, you broke your goddamn back, and then you no-sold the fucking whole thing and just no-showed the companies as if, like, saying, hey, dude, my bad, my back's broken, I'm so sorry, guys, but, like, I- I'm here to fucking tell you, you know, nah, just fucking, like, lock your doors and shut the lights and shit and just be like, I don't know where Zandig is, I heard he broke his back, dude, and like, oh, yeah, well, and then he just resurfaces a fucking few years later, like, it's weird shit, bro. It's, it's again, it's it's more that, like, mental illness shit. And Gage, I don't know what his fucking sobriety is like right now. All I know is, like, the shit he posts on fucking Instagram or whatever. He blocked me because I said some shit that he didn't like, whatever. I don't even remember what I said. Uh, it was a while back, but... Um, he was posting just that dumb shit where he tries to deadlift as much weight as he possibly can... You know, like, this dude has had knee problems, you know, early on in CZW. I I believe he hurt his knee. Uh, I could be wrong on that. But his body is banged up. That's undeniable. And you're just trying to deadlift a shitload of weight on 40-something-year-old knees and back and all of that shit. And, like, you still look like garbage. And, And then in the ring, you couldn't be less agile than the way you look right now. Like, it's fucking insanity the way the gauge moves. Gauge... And, and I'll tell you another fucking gym teacher doing a dance move moment. Zack Sabre Jr. versus fucking Nick Gage. Here's where Nick Gage of old would look fucking awesome in this match. Because Nick Gage of old was a savage. He would go out there and he would be dominant and vicious and aggressive. To the extent where Zack Sabre Jr. couldn't match that aggression. But Zack Sabre Jr. could out-technical wrestle him. Which would make it a great styles clash. And it could be very exciting, right? This is where Gage doesn't have that aggression anymore. He doesn't have that killer instinct. He doesn't have that viciousness. He's, he's putting people over. He's clapping for people while they're fucking being introduced in the match. He, he's fucking, he, he's a shell of himself to uh, an insane extent. And then instead of any of those things even trying to be represented, He's fucking trying to technical wrestle with Zack Sabre Jr. So when you see that Nick Gage can do a headlock and a drop down, and he could do, a, a, you know, a top wrist lock and, and, and a go behind, oh my God, clap for him. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, why, why are we doing this participation trophy bullshit with this guy? Thank you. Thank you for coming by, man. You, you've, been, you've been a legend in this fucking joint. You can no longer do what the fuck you're famous for. So are we just going to keep trotting you fuck out there when you feel like you could do it and doing that bullshit with Zandig? And, oh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus... Really? What a waste of a fucking booking of that dude. How much did you spend to bring Zack Sabre Jr. in to put him up against a washed fucking gauge? 
I mean, shit. I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, if I was Gage, I'd be in the gym, but I'd be training fucking all fucking mobility. I'd be training functional fitness. I would be strength training, but I wouldn't be fucking beating my joints to death. And I would train the shit out of functional fitness. So you'll be able to walk when you're older instead of being like, let me do these knees in because sure have enough head trauma and my back is shot onto the back problems and make sure these knees don't work in about five years because I don't know how much time I got left. Like, what the fuck? This is, this is just insanity. And, and, and it's just, it's embarrassing. And I mean, these fucking, speaking of embarrassing, MLJ is the most embarrassing human being to fucking watch function I have ever, ever seen in my life. He's still mouthing like, like, if wrestlers are talking, like he's talking with them. Like when Gage is saying things, like he's like mouthing the words, like he's lip syncing his fucking promos while he's standing next to him in the ring. He's got custom made fucking fan shirts, like, McFoley and this and this, so he could be like, oh, did you see ML's shirt? And, and then he's just like, he just couldn't be a bigger fan in the middle of a fucking business. Like, when, when all of these wrestlers preach over and over who belongs on what side of the guardrail, who has missed this fucking guy throughout this journey? Because nobody deserves ever telling anybody that if they're not telling him that every day they see him. He is the definition of dork. Like, he is the cool dude I've ever seen walking around. I almost killed him the night, the, the TOD thing, because he came drunk, just like, <laughs> and making like a joke, and I. <laughs> And I almost killed them that day, but, like, I, it just, it, it baffles me why anyone would even continue to put him at the forefront of their company, where he's on display as the one who's displaying this stuff. And I guess, I guess Brett thinks it's a good look. I mean, Brett thought Desert Eagle was a good look, too, but, you know, I mean, let's, so consider the source, you know. But I guess Brett thinks it's a good look that his announcer is that excited about all the things, but... Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not a good look. Um, I mean, he seems to be doing well for himself, Brett. So, I mean, I don't know shit. Um, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. So that was fucking horrendous. I when I saw that that opening, I was like, oh boy. Good luck, guys. Yeah, you know, that's like a comedian opening saying like the worst most racist, non-funny shit to to open the show and then calling out the next guy. All right, I'd like to announce it. And then you walk out and the fucking room is fucking furious and awkward and half of them left already. And it's like, that's (laughs) that's how they curtain jerk that fucking tournament. (laughs) Um... So, yeah. Um, Hall of Fame, um... I thought it went pretty well. Um, I thought um, Louie did well. Thought um, uh, I thought Joey did great presentations for both the uh, Piss Jug guy and the uh, and uh, Zandig and the Roof guy. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I mean, Toby did a great job for uh, brain damage. But, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I have an issue with the whole piss jug thing. Um, and I know, like, anyone who who's fond of the dude is not going to understand, you know, or, or, you know, I'll do my best to convey what my issues are. But um, now, to the best of my understanding, this guy is uh, paid for flights. He's driven people to airports. He's put people up. He's he's done a lot of things that, you know, in, in the past, the term for that would be money mark. Um, but I guess because, you know, he passed, it's going to be painted in a different light. It's going to be painted in a way where he was just, just a hero to the deathmatch community. And and in a way, that, that totally is, because, like, the cookie guy, when he would pay for all of this fucking shit in CZW, like, yeah, like, total fucking, I mean, I wouldn't hang at that fucking guy for 10 minutes. Like, he is a, he is insufferable. Like, I had to block him probably a decade ago, like, I think I, I might have blocked him before I stopped drinking. I might have quit Cookie Guy before I quit drinking. Yeah, I mean, that's the type of annoying that motherfucker has been to me. But, I mean, if you ask John Zandig, if you ask the wrestlers, if you ask the people who he made sure that uh, got paid and got flown and, and ate and had a place to stay and shit like that, they would tell you that he's he's the greatest guy on the fucking planet. So I think there's a bit of that going on with this um, piss jug guy. Um the actual piss jug gimmick I despise. I despise every single fan that shows up with his own gimmick trying to get himself over. I don't like any part of that. Um, the show is the show. I don't think you should have your own gimmick. Um, I think the whole, obviously, the piss jug thing in itself is gross, and I'm not interested in that type of... Uh, that. If that's just humor, then not really my type of humor. And, you know, like, look, like, I... I have been, you know, long time Stern fan and, and uh you know, I, I I've laughed at a lot of gross shit and you know, your mom's house I watch and you know, and then that like even some shit on there is just I'm not I'm not into the gross shit, you know. So when it comes to the gross gross shit I'm not into it. Um and you know, again, he might have been fucking a great guy. Um Whackpacker Hogan isn't in the G C W Hall of Fame to the best of my knowledge. Um, Anthony Massa was not in the GCW Hall of Fame, as far as I know. Um, uh, drunk drunk plane, uh, drunk pilot Jeff Skeleton is not in the GCW Hall of Fame, as far as I know. These are all people that I, I feel fit into this category now. Uh, Massa is my guy. He, he's my, my friend, and, um, you know, we talk all the time, so... If it's an insult for him to be in that company, I apologize. But what I can say on Mossdow's side of things is what he would do more so than a lot of those other things that, that have been mentioned is he would make it so worth these talents coming to whatever building they did because when they saw him approach that merch table and and uh, he struck up deals with them on their masks or their gear or their this or their that, it became financially more valuable for them to make that trip. And even knowing that some of those Mossows exist out there makes, you know, these bookings a little easier for promoters as far as I'm concerned because it, it's another potential payday that doesn't even need to concern the, the promoter as much and, and it benefits the wrestler. It's like, a, like an endorsement deal on the side, you know. Like you could play for an NBA team and everything you do there, you're going to make the money that they get paid. 
but now if like this person is going to pay you to just be you know here or co-sign their shit or you know so it's not you know quite the same but it is like a side deal that becomes very profitable when you have those type of people involved so i think like if this guy is in well then all those other people absolutely should be in the deathmatch hall of fame um because i don't think the deathmatch wrestling as a whole um would have happened the same way that they did if it wasn't for those people um, as far as supporters, I don't think that there's any bigger supporter in the history of independent wrestling than Whackpacker Hogan. Um, Whackpacker Hogan was a staple of all independent wrestling that he attended. You saw him in the building, and you know it was, it was right. You know, all things were as they should be. You know, if you walked in and you didn't see the ring, it wouldn't make sense. If you walked in and you didn't see Whackpacker Hogan, it wouldn't really make sense. Not if it was a show that you knew that he was there every month. Um, you know, when he, when he passed, it, it had that feeling like it didn't, it didn't make sense that he wasn't there, you know? Um, and as far as I'm concerned, Tremont, um, and Loudy, um, mostly Tremont because Tremont had the ability to continue it and he decided not to. Um, he, he used that as a, a, a cheap pop. He used Hogan's death as a cheap pop, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not alone in that. Um, he rolled out a banner. We're going to keep this front row seat empty for you, brother. Uh, you know, all of that bullshit. And uh, the banner came down off the fucking thing. He named the place uh, Hogan Hall was the name of the um, H2O Center. Uh, he immediately abandoned that. Probably about two shows later, he stopped calling it that. Um and, um, you know, the banner actually came down, and, and as far as I know, I, I have watched an H2O show or, or ICW show or something recently and watched, legitimately didn't give a fuck about what was going on in the ring and just sat there and watched the camera as it hit different angles so I could see all the walls. And from what I can see surrounding the ring from where, where you're able to see on camera, there's, there's no Hogan banner. Um, the Hogan banner was I thought was the first banner up there. I mean, I could be wrong on first or whatever the case, but that was absolutely there. It was called Hogan Hall. Um, it, the Hogan Hall thing was abandoned. Um, uh, Tremont had told people that it was a legal issue. You, we can't call it that because a legal issue. I don't know, even know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of went by the wayside, but, but it's not like, because he, he, he didn't want banners, because then he got a banner for everybody he fucking liked. He, he's, he's got, like, 38 banners on his fucking wall right now. This shit looks insane. Shit looks like pure insanity. You know what I mean? From, from, from cameramen to ring crew to wrestlers that are still here to wrestlers that are gone to, to ones he's friends with, the ones that worked fucking once for his show, to old ECW stars, to fucking, like, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? This is crazy. So, why well, everything about what his life is crazy. Um, so, you know, this is, this is the thing is, like, when we're doing this Hall of Fame stuff, are we really legitimately honoring people? Or are we just using this shit for a cheap pop? Are we using it to just gather these deathmatch fans just a little easier on that weekend and just call it a day? Because if that's the case, then this was the, the right name to go with. Because this is a fresh, this is a current name. 
giant portion of the crowd knows and is connected with this person. So yeah, absolutely. If you if you're looking for that cheap pop, then then this is the guy. I I don't know that that was the case because again, I know that when you have these people involved with the company, they are a huge asset to the company. There's no denying that. Um, but me, from an outsider's perspective, that's how I see it. I see the ones who came before. I see the ones who, who you know, have done more, in my opinion, for a lot longer time. Um, the other part about that that I just don't, I don't give a fuck who likes it. I, I, my fucking stomach turns when I see his family standing up there with shirts that say piss jug all over it. Because I'll be goddamned if my fucking family is buried and I'm going to walk around calling him piss jug because that's what his fucking hobby in the, in the fan, uh, being a wrestling fan was. I, I just, I have fucking standards and morals and, and, and pride. And I, there's no fucking way. So if that's, if that's the fucking, that's the, that's the pinnacle of what we can fucking surmise for this guy. That's, that's the most that we could dig up is, is this is what we're calling them, and yeah, okay, guys, enjoy. I, I just, that's just my view on it. And that that in the middle of a fucking thing where John Zandig's being inducted and brain damage and piss jug. All right. You know, I mean, again, to each their own, and it's not my fucking party. So, you know, enjoy yourselves, guys. You know, this is just one jerk off from Jersey's opinion, as I've said time and time again. Um... Take it for what it is. Um, oh, and John Zandig's thing was good, but the only thing, like, first off, Cage, again, he's such a fucking comedic figure now that he doesn't understand. He he, he still thinks people take him seriously, which is insane. Um, he fucking goes up there for the, the speech and he's like half in gimmick. Yeah, I fucking hate you, John, but still fucking respect you enough to say a little something. And then he reaches for his pockets and he goes, forgot my phone. And this isn't even fucking work, bro. This is literally like he had shit written on his phone and couldn't find his phone because it was in his fucking other pocket. It was in his hoodie pocket and he was looking in his like pants pockets. Like literally that's what the fuck happened because then afterwards – when they were like, yeah, at least I didn't forget my phone. And uh, he goes, oh, and he, he pulls it out of his hoodie pocket. Like, oh, you know, it's here, man. Like, what the fuck? So he says some shit, you know, whatever. But Joey did a fantastic job outlining so much of what John Zandig brought to the table and, um, you know, what he was to deathmatch wrestling and everything. And I, I thought that was great. Um, Brett didn't do a bad job either, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, um, that was just my thoughts on the, on the thing. Um, might as well just flow into the stream on shit. Um, so, Tremont and, uh, Neil Diamond Cutter did a 700 light tube match in Tremont's apartment for fucking a hundred and something people. And... I, before, during, after, why? Why? I hear about it announced. I'm not like, oh, shit. I'm like, why? And they did some stupid shit, like, for every year, we're doing 100 tubes, 
And it's like, well, fuck, I hope you don't do, you know, a 20-year run with this company or whatever the fuck, because shit, like 700 tubes for what? And, and it's like, yeah, this is what it's going to be, all these fucking, fucking, all the fucking tubes. Okay, well, you know what happens next, guys? These guys missed their bookings the following weekend because they're injured. That's crazy. That's crazy as hell, man. Like, they got hurt? What happened? 700 tubes. Of course you got hurt. This shit isn't, this shit isn't fun to me anymore. You know, this shit is like, you have to be, and it's like, Adam Carolla has this thing that he said for a lot of years, and I've listened to him a lot over the years. I haven't as much recently. I don't really agree with all the things politically with him, but um, he has a lot of good ideals on a lot of things. And one of the things he said over the years is when it comes to certain situations, there's only two answers, stupid or liar. Because when things are so blatant and obvious in front of you, you either have to be stupid to not see it or be lying because you see it and you're choosing the not to address it. And this is one of those situations where it's stupid or liar because if you thought that was going to work out, you're stupid, or you knew it wasn't, and knew that this would get some buzz, and whatever you had to go through to get it, you would do, which I don't think is the case. But again, that only leaves us with one other option, you know, um, and that goes for the fans who, who feed into this shit and continue to feed into GoFundMes and shit like this. I was looking through my phone the other day for some goofy-ass picture or some shit to make somebody laugh. It wasn't any intention, you know, but I was back to fucking, you know, scrolling back. I have like three years of fucking pictures, four years of pictures on my phone. Thousands and thousands. So... Sometimes I'll screenshot shit because I want to talk onto it uh, onto the show, and a lot of times I go back and delete those things. Sometimes I forget. So I guess I had a screenshot of G Ravers GoFundMe, and noticed, unfortunately for myself, noticed um, he raised like fifty one hundred or fifty two hundred dollars for ki- for fucking cutting himself accidentally in a match that involved glass with Jimmy Lloyd when he regularly did glass matches, and then after that, got caught with, I don't know, 12 drugs, and was abusing women, and all this other shit, and his contributions to, I guess, professional wrestling, gained him more support than me working for 21 years, saving animals' lives, and then getting cancer. So this is why I'm so aggressive when it comes to the wrestling business because the amount of respect that's put towards the actions of a lot of people who just aren't good people as opposed to when people go above and beyond and and do selfless acts for other animals or people or things like that and those people get passed by and those people get thrown in the fucking trash while we lift all these other hopeless cases up that are just going to put themselves back in the fucking garbage when you're done supporting them, you know? So shit like, and this is what I'm talking about, you know? This is this is the shit that I'm talking about. Oh, he was the guy. He was our brother. Oh, matter of fact, they had a fucking tag team together. Dream on fucking the, the Awakening or whatever with fucking Stockade, who's a fucking idiot, you know? 
because now he's like super like Trump guy and he's all fucking like lost a bunch of weight and he just fucking deadlifts all day and it's like all right. No one gives a fuck about you still though. Like these are the people we're talking about and they're they're just living in their own world that doesn't make sense to me. You know, like when I look at it and I just go like, well that wouldn't be a good idea for an adult. That wouldn't be a good idea for an adult with a family, with a kid, with a girlfriend, with a fucking conscience, with a fucking, a bit of self-respect. It's just, it's just what I wind up with. And so now two weeks, he missed last week's booking. He missed the week before his booking. So he's, he's out two weeks. So, uh, and he's got a bunch of medical bills. So I'm just telling you right now, it's going to be a fucking fundraiser. You know, you could, you could see that fucking GoFundMe train coming. That's why, like, when it came down to allowing this to be for me, like, I, I didn't have any, you know, it's one of those things that I never wanted to do. I always fought against, and even through this, I, I held out and for as long as I possibly could before I would accept anyone doing that or I would allow anyone to do that. Um, it's because, like, I've seen such abuse of this shit that now when I put my thing in perspective and I put my situation out and I go, yeah, no, this is what this is supposed to be for. This is supposed to be for people who, who really need this, who would do better for themselves with no one's help if they could and they can't. Yeah, not someone who made horrible decisions and put themselves into trouble and now need themselves need help to get out of the horrible situations repercussions so they can put themselves in another horrible situation hoping for less repercussions the next time around. Like it's fucking disgusting. I can't I can't clap for that. I can't be a big fan of that. Okay, let's go right into the next one. Lou Fisto. Lou Fisto is um one of the top deathmatch wrestling women of all time. And um, that's that's what that is. But for a long time, she's displayed these different um, mental mental um, instabilities. Um, she has mental illness, for sure. I'm not saying this is an insult. I'm saying this as a fact, because she's actually come out about it. And she's come out and posted many, many things about having mental illness and struggling and um, she's had major injuries. Um, her weight is fluctuated by at least a hundred pounds both ways, which when you see things happen that way, you know, usually the mind isn't doing well, you know, because it, it takes a lot to send someone that far off the rails to gain that significant amount of weight. And it takes an immense amount of strength to swing it back in the other direction and when you're seeing it teeter that way, it's there's a lot going on upstairs to even swing you that hard in those directions. Can you know? Um, so there's those things that there were to me red flags for sure. Now she got away from the deathmatch wrestling because she health wise again she had surgery, she had this, she had that. You know she she had problems where she had to get her shit together and and fix herself so she can continue living and just functioning. She did tag team wrestling. She did, you know, just regular wrestling for, for a while. Well, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just got 
ball the fuck back into this deathmatch wrestling. She came back over here wrestling for Danny D'Amato, doing deathmatches in front of a couple hundred people for, I can't imagine, a whole ton of money because it's, it's ICW. That's not where the money is. Um, and, you know, maybe she did it right for herself. I don't know. But just full-on, all-out death matches with Mickey Knuckles, who, again, has outlined years and years of mental instability and mental illness. But every time that she decides to go into massive bloodletting displays in the ring, we're supposed to clap for this. We're supposed to clap for those actions following someone who does not have control of their mental illness. Like, I don't think deathmatch wrestling is something that should be done or applauded when there's mental illness, there's substance abuse, there's, there's things that take a whole lot of your energy. It take all of your energy to overcome. Now, to find these little places of comfort is like saying, well, when I drink, it makes it feel a little better. When I deathmatch, it makes it feel a little better. But what happens when you inevitably catch one of those massive injuries? If you are that guy or that girl and wrestling is the only thing that makes everything feel like it matters. Okay, so you blow your knee out and you can't wrestle. How many people do we need to watch you before some bad shit, you know, unless some bad shit is going to happen? I don't think this Band-Aid is sufficient. I don't think this is acceptable. And, and I don't think it should be applauded. Five days before she did some crazy fucking tag team death match. It was the Rejects and, and Mickey and and Lufisto and a, and a tag team death match, and they're all fucking destroying each other and punching each other in the face and doing the four chairs and smashing each other and all that bullshit. Lufisto looked absolutely just shredded up after the match. Five days before that, she went on social media and said that she was going to shut down her Facebook fan account because she is not doing well mentally and she can't handle the ups and downs of social media and the the negatives and the the things and she has to separate herself from this because her mental health is what matters and you know really like Pouring her heart out in a way where, like, I'm not doing so well right now, and I got to take a break from this shit. I don't know what I'm doing with my Instagram account, but right now, I got to shut this shit down and, you know, all this. And then just go run out there to a death match five days later in front of all these fans that you told you couldn't talk to online? You don't think fucking 15 people are approaching her that night going, you okay, you okay? Which, again, if you're going through this shit mentally... That's not a great thing to ask people. It just doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't equate to anything. You know, are you okay? No. Okay. That sucks. Uh, sorry to hear that. Thanks for asking because this made things all make sense. Yeah, you know, it's just, it, it, it's nothing. It's just nothing. So um, even if the intentions are good, um, 
so that that's the type of shit that she's subjecting herself to because she's going into this. But again, all the bloodletting, the selling of the fucking clothes that are all bloodied up, and the the fucking weirdos who are into that. You know, it's just. Which again, you know, like look, man, like she is a legendary deathmatch wrestler. But at some point, it's got to be about humans, and if it's not. I don't know how to clap for it because if we're, you know, this is this is the problem that I would have too, is I would get really into, you know, uh, watching this wrestler or that wrestler, and you see this wrestler taking like a bad turn, you're gonna start talking about it. And this is this has been my issue with Gage throughout. I was the biggest Gage fan you could find, but as I watched shit come off the fucking rails, I was like, I don't fucking like this, and I gotta talk about it. I this is this is no good. And other people, oh no, I used to. You know, he's doing good. MDK and stuff. We're gang members now, you know. And it's like, I get the fuck away from me. Like, this isn't this isn't what I'm doing. You know what I mean? When this dude straight up was, like, sleeping in the fucking locker room and not coming out for a show. You know. And the fans are fucking waiting to see him. Yeah, nah, bro. I'm, I'm not going to be buying your next shirt. No, I'm not supporting your fucking drug habit. I'm not supporting your um, your your way of staying away from anything that's good for your mental health. Your way of continuing to stay in this lane is for more money to to go there, so you can still live despite being in all the wrong places. You know, and, and again, I'm not saying that you know uh, Gage is on drugs at the moment. I don't know that. I, I don't know that. Um, some of the things that I've seen in the past, I mean like way, you know, previous to current gauge stuff was very blatant that he was on drugs. I haven't seen anything that looks like that, but I still don't see a guy who's doing well. I still don't see a guy who functions physically well. And I don't, don't think that guy should be wrestling anymore, you know? So that's, that's my stance on him there. But, um, but yeah, with, with Lufisto, you know, I just, how do you, how do you clap for that? How do you clap for knowing that a woman is doing bad mentally and then she's going to get in the ring and just bleed a whole lot and you're going to go like, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, like, so let me try to connect this a little bit. So if someone tells you that they're not doing well mentally and then they do fill in the blank crazy thing as a result, are you not worried? Or is this a different type of crazy that's just fun for you? Ah. Nah, it's not for me. I can't. I can't applaud it. I can't applaud it at all. And then Mickey, um, she posted a couple days ago, all shredded up from I think the same match. That you know all the stuff she's dealt with. She does this for her daughters and all the little girls who who've been told that this is just for men and this is just a man's sport and this is just uh, death matches are for men. So wait a wait a minute. So the same one that will tell you that she was treated horribly for a lot of years by the guy who was bringing her into the business, the guy who who ushered her into so many different avenues in the business, um, you know, and and so many other places where she was just treated bad. So when that was the result of things, and these are the roads that you're going to travel, and you know the wrestling business, Mickey, like, come on. Like, you have to know that the wrestling locker room is nowhere you want your children. But you really are going to try to pass this off to the people out there that you're doing this for all the little girls that, that... 
Again, I, I'm not willing to play along. I'm just not willing to play along because you ain't telling my fucking girls they could be deathmatch wrestlers because I'll tell them they can't. I'll tell them that they they can physically accomplish those things, but if you're into cutting yourself and you're into bleeding for the sake of the claps that you get and the attention that you get based on your bleeding, if that's if that's what you think you should be doing, then I'm I'm going to be responsible as a parent and get you help. I'm going to try to foster positive environments. I'm going to try to steer you into lanes that benefit you. I'm not going to go to the fucking show with a bloody My Child shirt on and clap as she gets thrown through piles of glass and the fans call her crazy bitch and you sick fuck and all of this other stuff while I know they're struggling. It's something that I can't applaud anymore. And it's not to take away from any of these people's talent because, you know, the ones that had talent, the ones that have talent, they do. But there's there's a hard line where this becomes about, all right, like, this shit's got to be done as far as I'm concerned. This shit's got to be done as a phase, young, like Mondo, recover from it, and then create a career for yourself. Otherwise, you're not doing well as a human being. There's very few people that do this successfully and actually have, like, a career in something, and, and they're able to walk around. They're, they're able to actually, unassisted, walk around as an old man. You know, uh, it just, it's an irresponsible way of life for the sake of a pop that doesn't really mean shit to me, you know. And again, the attention, I understand. The attention and the admiration and all of those things, I understand. But the cost of it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like if if someone explained the, the heroin high to you and how amazing it is, and then you just looked at all the people who were dying from it and just withering away and stealing from their families and lying to people and, and not loyal to anybody but the drug, and you see that and you go, so what could possibly be good enough about the high that's worth all of this destruction? You know, it, it's, it never equated to something that made sense enough to me to even attempt, to try, to experiment. Anything that had that much negative tied to it wasn't going to be an option. Um, I saw the Chris, Chris Candido and Tammy, uh, dark side of the ring last night, and... Um, I, I liked it. Um, it's it's hard. These things are rough, man, because it's like you can't make it a nice thing. There's nothing nice about it. He's gone. He was one of the greatest of all time. His ring ability was just insane. And, and I noticed this before I was even like a smart fan. You know, I, I really hadn't even gotten to the CZW and all of that. It was right prior to that that I really started seeing a lot of uh, Chris Candido. And I, I, as I've said before, I never got the chance to attend an ECW show, so that wasn't the days. Um, I I saw um, just the Donnie B shows out here, you know, Tom's River shows, NWA, such and such, uh, 
just whatever kind of shindy shows that were around. But on the, the mid to top of these shindy shows, they were putting your Chris Candidos, they were putting your Backseat Boys, they were putting your Rick Blades and your uh, Nicky Benzes, and there was still talent there despite, you know, it being kind of a nothing show. But you would see this, and you would see the show really have no whole substance to it, a lot of just that, you know, that distract the ref, low blow, roll up, that old fucking, you know, gimmicky bullshit. But you'd see a guy, Chris Candido, that came out of that fucking curtain like he was performing in front of uh, an arena. You would see Chris Candido take bumps off of a fucking punch that looked like someone (laughs) threw him off a fucking building. Like, the velocity he would hit the mat with. Almost every fucking bump he took. You'd be like, Jesus, this guy came to fucking work tonight. <laughs> like, that's the vibe I got off of Chris. He just had so much more than everybody else. He was like a cheat code, you know? Like, he just he just had the ability to do all that shit. And I'm sure he felt it, and he broke his neck, so obviously he did. But, you know, this was a guy who was so invested in this that he did it to the, the highest extent. One thing I'll always, always, always respect more than anything is passion. And this guy had passion for what he did. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's such a shame. And she's such a toxic broad. And, and she really proved that over and over and over. Even prior, you know, or post Chris, you know, with her legal shit and her fucking David Starr and her this and her that. Like, she, she's off the fucking chain. And uh, it's a shame. It, it's a damn shame. But I thought it was well done. I thought it, it painted her as the toxic chick she is. It painted him as the star he was and that he would have been one of the biggest stars in the business right now because he had that charisma. He had that ability to work your actual, you know, your your physical workers, not your just, you know, basic spot guys. Like this guy could do crazy shit. He was a bump monster, you know what I mean? So there's no one he couldn't work with. You know, you wish you could see half of the matches that just never really got to to happen. You know, like the the prime AJ Styles versus fucking Chris Candido, like a feud of that shit. Like, a, you know, the Will Ospreys and the, you know, then, then some of the other guys, the harder hitting guys that he could have been in with and the Dickinson matches he could have had and the, you know, one-on-one with Moffs. And, you know, some of these guys might have lined up before, but I don't think we ever got the chance to see these guys at their prime because I think that was all after Chris was gone. And, you know, it's it's a shame. Um, but, again, this is so much of this, this business. It's just so much of this, like, mental illness. This guy had such a drive for professional wrestling that he he did it to the point where it wasn't good for himself as a person. You know, he was so obsessed with this chick that he did things that weren't good for himself as a person. He just couldn't get out of the way of those things that were very clearly dangerous and very bad. And it, it claimed him. You know, so I... You know, I, I was... Glad to see that the story was done on there. I thought it was done well. And, um, yeah. Um, the 
AEW game is going to be coming out soon. I don't even know when or any of that, but um, I, I'm very happy about it. I haven't played the game. I don't know nothing about it. Um, I'll probably rent it on my Gamefly when it comes out, so I can try it out or whatever. Because one thing that excites me so much is seeing guys like Eddie Kingston, mainly Eddie Kingston, get onto a video game. That was some unheard of shit. When you think about Eddie Kingston, you think about a guy who not long before AEW picked him up, he was a guy who was on the internet regularly saying that this is probably his last year doing this. He can't take it anymore. He can't he can't continue to, you know, get close and not not get his shot and just keep spinning tires and you know. Um you know, see him actually get his day to get his his shine and to be a name that more people in this country know about is something that makes me feel really good. You know, I, I love to see, because he has struggled through so much too, and hey, you could definitely, you could definitely paint some mental illness on that one too, that he's my guy, but let's let's be real, you know, this is a guy who is passionate about this shit. And the reason I could support this, the reason I can clap and applaud this is because this does have a happy ending. This does have a light at the end of the tunnel, unlike the deathmatch wrestlers in their 40s. This is being paid off in front of us. This is, this is him living his dream in front of us, wrestling some of his, his Japanese icons, his, his idols, you know, and... To see him fulfill that and to see him wind up on a video game that's going to be played by kids all over this country, all over this world, I hope the game's awesome. And I'm just really proud. I'm just really proud to see him him do that. You know, And there's others too and all that, but Eddie's the first thing that pops in my head when I see that shit. So that's, that's how I feel about that. Uh, CM Punk came back. Uh, which gets my attention every fucking time because I'm a huge CM Punk fan. Um, he he, the, the way he talks, the way he comes out there and he just shoots on shit. Um, I'm really I like that. I like that a lot. He speaks with a lot of honesty. Reminds me a bit of the way that I speak um, and the response that I get um, because I get mostly hatred. Most people do not like me. Um, I didn't model myself after anybody or anything like that. But um, you know, the the response I get is he's just a dickhead, no one likes him, no one wants to be around him, da 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 da, da. But I don't know how many of the things that people will privately hit me up and be like, you know, you were right about that, or, uh, man, I, I didn't have the balls to say that, but you're fucking right on. Shit like that, you know, but you become still the, the bad guy for being the one to say it, and um, being the one in the fucking crew to be like, I know no one wants to say this shit here, but this is fucked up. And he's, he's consistently been that guy. Um, but he's also been the guy who's beat all odds. You know, he he wasn't liked in a lot of these circles and became one of the biggest names in all of wrestling. This guy was gone from wrestling for six months, eight months, a year, two years, whatever he was gone. And every time that there was a mystery opponent in the WWE, every Royal Rumble that came across, every time that they were in Chicago, there were rumors of CM Punk could be there, CM Punk could be there. And the fans who don't like him continue to try to take that away, try to deny it, try to say, oh, even this one. 
he was going to be in Chicago, this this thing, they're launching a whatever-the-fuck collision. Uh, and it was like, well, uh, the sales aren't as high as they expected, and I don't know, CM Punk is still the draw that he was... Uh, and when the fucking music hit and he walked out there, the fucking building is on fire. Like, the... It, you're really going to, like, we're going to look at numbers and all the pre-sales or get the fuck out of here. It speaks for itself the way the crowd responds to him. And it, you're not going to like it if you don't like him, but it's still the fact. And he did all of this not being the best fucking technical wrestler in the world. He did this not being in the best physical shape in the world. He did this not being the best fucking, uh, you know, any uh, really almost anything. I mean, talkers, you could definitely put him up there because he knows how to do that very well. But the other stuff he did well enough. I thought his, his ability to create a match, the way that he structured his matches, made a lot of people look fucking phenomenal. His matches with Cena were some of the best matches with, that Cena's ever had, as far as I'm concerned. And that, stay, that stands for a lot of people that he worked in the WWE, who before that were just, you know, these five moves of doom guys, you know, or whatever fuck moves of doom, I don't even know what the phrase is. Um, you know, and he turned it into these matches that were just not that, that were full-on competitive Ring of Honor-style matches, you know? So I'll always love his ability to do that. And again, I also, I very much bask in, in the fact that so many of these geek fucking wrestling fans hate him. And, I, and I, I like him more because of that. Everyone that gets mad about a CM Punk this and that or whatever, I fucking love it. Because again, also, you can't, you can't question his love for professional wrestling for everything he's done despite the odds that have been stacked against him despite the, the negative crowds he's had to, to continue to work through in the locker rooms and people who, who didn't like him and didn't want him there, and he still had to go out there and do what he did and get over. Tough, man, and I, I give him so much credit for it, and I'll always be a diehard CM Punk fan. So he, he went out there. He took another shot at the Young Bucks on the fucking mic and everything, like as soon as he came back. Like he's just – and. I'll tell you one thing. Um, I got a different respect for the Young Bucks um, now um, because I saw the donation um, that was made to my man G's and uh, Nick Massey. He was very, um, very generous as far as I'm concerned. I'm not speaking for G's. I don't know how he feels about it. I don't know nothing about it, but I know I appreciate what he did for my friend. That much I could say. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I think they're corny. As far as wrestlers and shit go, I'm not really into the whole gimmick. At first I was. I thought it was cool. And then when you would see that gimmick styles clash with different wrestlers and stuff, it was cool. You'd see the Young Bucks and the Briscoes and the Young Bucks and these guys and that guy. You know, that shit worked for me. But once you ran out of those little fun matches to have, I was all set with it. It, it really ran its course to me. Um, I don't think they're bad wrestlers. I just think they're different and than the way that they work their their matches kind of gets old to me, you know? Um, but they've made massive careers for themselves. What the fuck are you going to say, you know? I mean, 
It is what it is. And, um, you know, Omega, I think he's a cornball as a person, as far as I could see, but he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. You know, uh, this weekend, I think, I just saw today, which shows you how much of a fucking fan I am. I just saw today that uh, they're having the rematch to the Osprey versus Omega match this weekend. I don't, it's like Forbidden Tour 2. I don't even know how to fucking watch it. I'm going to try to look it up when I get off of this thing and see if it's uh, something I could do without spending a bunch of money because that's not happening for a match. Um, But, holy shit, like, that first match was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. I mean, the the, the athleticism in that, the, the brutality in that, that's everything that I like about wrestling. The athleticism, the brutality, all of that stuff. You know, uh, intensity. Fucking intensity. You know? Um, so, I'm looking forward to that, even though I don't know if I could even watch it anytime, you know. Well, I'll, within a few days, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, CM Punk situation. Um, you know, and he said his shit. He said what he wanted to say. He cut his promo. And then afterwards, he kind of steered it right back towards, uh, hey, I didn't lose this fucking belt. So, da, da, da. so he, he worked himself right back into the the fold. Now, I'm interested. You know, so now uh, if I know CM Punk's going to be on the show, I'm going to tune in and at least see what he has to say. And to me, that's the definition of a draw. You drew me in where I would not turn it on otherwise. And I, I'm one of those really hard to um, draw guys. So if you're drawing me, I think you're doing something. I, I can't say that uh, he ain't got it no more or he ain't doing shit if he's still drawing people who really barely give a fuck about wrestling. So, And when I tune in, I'd be 100% glad to admit that I was wrong if I saw a half-empty arena and a dead response when he came out. But the fucking roof came off, and that's what happened, whether you like it or you fucking don't. Yeah, that's um, most of what I got. Um, I got a half hour left. Let me throw this Joe Montana thing at you. So I watched a documentary, um, Joe Montana, Cool Under Pressure. I believe it's on Hulu or Peacock or one of these motherfuckers, or maybe Peacock. Just look around through these fucking services because I think that they moved it because initially it was on whatever service and then they moved it to whatever service after months of being here and there. You know how they do. Um, but you got to watch this shit. Um, I think even if you're not a 49er fan or a Joe Montana fan or even a football fan, I, I think there's parts of this that you can, you can gain some things from. Um, I have been a diehard 49er fan my whole life. Uh, my grandma was a diehard 49er fan, um, and when I grew up that, through her teaching me, uh, I, you know, I was, I was a kid. I, I was born in 78. So, you know, when these Super Bowls started rolling out, I was, you know, four or five years old. I was, you know, still on the young side of things. You know, it, it um... You know, I, I, I don't have, like, exact memories of a, this 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 game or this thing. So there's a lot of shit I've had to go back and watch. And um, this documentary really outlines so many things. Um, and the thing that stuck out so much for me is how hard he had to fight for his job all the way up until he was finally even traded 
despite four Super Bowls. What I didn't know is in the late 70s, early 80s, San Francisco as a city was falling apart. The cable cars were falling apart. They were old and outdated. Uh, poverty was high. There, uh, they were just in bad shape. The city was on a tremendous decline and, and, and doing very badly. So when San Francisco won their first ever, when the Niners won their first ever franchise Super Bowl to rebuild the city, it helped to uplift the city and steer them back into the right direction. So overall, Joe Montana and the 49ers saved San Francisco as a city. It became ingrained in their their city and their lifestyle because of what it did for the city. So the 49ers became such a huge part of the culture there, and it had been for all these years. Even even you can even look at all of the Samoans who are 49er fans because from what I've heard, that's around the area where a lot of them would would wind up as they entered the country in the in the Bay Area. And when they wound up in that area, the culture had completely dictated that this is 49er country. This is this is what this is. So they embraced their new lives in the United States. They took to the 49er culture, and you'll see so many Samoans that are Niner fans. Um, but this is what this man did for that team, and this is what that team did for that culture, that that area, that that city. So after winning two Super Bowls, his job was still in question enough where they traded for Steve Young. And they got Steve Young in there, and Steve Young just fucking breathed down his neck the whole time. Bill Walsh was and is still hailed as one of the greatest coaches of all time, but still couldn't make a decision on Steve Young or Joe Montana. And every time there was a hiccup, every time there was a a doubt, an injury, anything... Steve Young would be rushed in and they would they would attempt to swing the, the momentum in that direction where Steve Young would be the new quarterback. A lot of times they would concede and they'd go back to Joe Montana and when they did, he'd prove himself once again. They teetered and teetered back and forth between Montana Young, Montana Young. You know, and, and watching this develop in the different games that he would tell you about, he was pulled out here, he had proved himself to be the guy for comebacks. And then they pulled him, denying him a comeback in a game. And, like, you see shit like that and you go, like, knowing what we know now, knowing what we know, it's Joe Montana. This isn't, like, some fucking kid who just, ah, didn't really prove him. So he already won two Super Bowls for a franchise that never had one. And they went and got a fucking replacement. So he continued to... Do what he does. Make it back from injuries, push forward, and win fucking Super Bowls. He won two more Super Bowls for the 49ers, capping off at four total Super Bowls and zero losses. They traded him to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'll tell you what, he went to the Kansas City Chiefs, and he got to the AFC Championship game. The San Francisco 49ers won one more Super Bowl with Steve Young, and I'll be goddamned if Montana wouldn't have won one more Super Bowl with his fucking guys in San Francisco when he still had enough to drive a team to the AFC Championship game. This wasn't a guy who was done or washed up. He absolutely had one more in him because he got that much closer. He got that close to the final, to the 
to the Super Bowl with an unknown team after playing the entire career with the 49ers. So I was never a Steve Young fan. I don't think I ever will be. I have one picture up in the gym of him, you know, amongst my little, um, uh, what are those called, uh, canvases. I have those little tiny canvases across the, the top of the the gym. And I have one little canvas of him, but I don't own a jersey. I'll never own an autograph. I just, you know, I, my man Joe Montana was betrayed by by the team that he did so much for. And, and to me, you know, especially what I'm going through now, it shows you that even the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, because, you know, Brady's stats are insane. The one thing that swung me back in Joe's camp, because I've always been a diehard Joe Montana fan, and for the longest time I was like, look, I don't give a fuck what Brady does. Montana's the greatest of all time. Four and O, da da da. But you know, when you put fucking seven up, I'm sorry. Stats are you're the fucking greatest of all time, and that's just it. That's just it. You know, I, I just that's the way I got I got to look at that. I got to be a realistic football fan. I can't just be delusional and just be like, no, but my guy's my guy. So, nah, man. But what I can say. And like I said, kind of makes it a debatable thing again. How many times was Tom Brady's career actually at risk? How many times did he have a guy breathe down his neck? He demanded they got Jimmy Garoppolo the fuck out of there. As soon as there was any talk of like, yeah, Jimmy could be the next to like get him the fuck out of here. And Jimmy was he was gone. That shit happened because of Brady didn't want a fucking a definite next up sitting next to him. They kept his backups as backups. There was never any hope or maybe or drafting a guy and hoping for, no, 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 we ain't doing none of that shit. And they had a system that just fucking worked. So the scratching and clawing that Joe Montana had to do to create what he did, that might make him the greatest of all time. Again, debatable. And I respect both sides as long as those are the two names we're talking about. I, the day that motherfuckers, like, now I'm, I'm watching people knock Montana down to three or four and putting Peyton Manning. Like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Two fucking teams and a forehead the size of a drive-in theater, and he couldn't create more than fucking two Super Bowls. Don't, you know, don't, don't come at me with this fucking Peyton Manning shit. All right? I, I'm not trying to hear any part of that. Um, so anyway... Um, I think it's a very good documentary. I think when you go through and you watch the different things that, um, you know, he went through through that time, it's it's really amazing. And, you know, you can see the hits he took and the, the way that he responded to things. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible documentary. I know I'm biased because I'm such a diehard Niner fan. But also, like, like I outlined, I really think just the adversity and the um, – the triumph through the struggle, I think that in itself is, is a very uh, very entertaining thing, you know, and something that, that someone could watch for inspiration regardless of, you know, what team or whoever they followed. So check it out. Um, what else? I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to um, wrap it up from here. Um, if you can, support in any way, you know, I um, – uh, my man Brent Matty ordered some shirts for me a couple weeks back or whatever. I appreciate that. It's the one and only person who asked me about shirts. Um, you know, I mean, that's not 100% my lane because I'm I'm just 
really not great at all of that. Uh, but I'll uh, I'll ship some shirts out if you would like. Um, you know, um, support any way you can. You know, even if you're watching my YouTube videos and showing them with other animal animal people. You know, I think that's that's a bigger part of this. Is I gotta get I gotta get my entire story to bigger names, bigger influences, bigger audiences. You know, um, mentioning my stuff in a, in a in conversation around people who haven't heard of it before are not as huge. Because if they go on a deep dive, somebody goes on a deep dive about it, you know, um, they could potentially make a difference or get it to someone who makes a difference. You know, this this is going to take way more than this little circle that I've created here over the years. Um, like I said, I, I am forever thankful for, you know, the, the five grand that, that's been raised for me um, between you know, the, the, whoever, whoever was involved. And, um, I'll never forget that, you know, um, because it bought me time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you start looking at other things, you, you compare things and you, you really wish things were better for you. But again, it just, it takes bigger lanes. It takes bigger, bigger audiences. And, um, I think together we can get that, um, I don't know media connections. I don't know a whole lot outside of what I've already dealt with. You know, 21 years doing this stuff with cats six days a week doesn't give you a whole lot of time to be learning uh, loopholes and legal this and that uh, or media connections and you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, there could be podcasts or radio shows or something animal-wise that they could be the fucking lane. I, I don't know, and I need tremendous amount of help to make this stuff take shape on a larger platform. Um, any suggestions people have is, is great. Any actual, you know, um, that people can actually put out on my behalf to try to help to push this forward is tremendously appreciated. Um this is just going to take a lot more, you know, it's, it's, it's colossal to me, you know, it's, it's colossal to the cats, but all of us have such a small voice when it comes to this large space we, we occupy this world. You could shout into the distance half the time people get famous for what they did during their life after they're gone. And I don't have the, I don't have, I don't want to say patience, I can't afford for that to happen for the cats, for me, for my family, for any of that. I can't afford for that to happen. I need that to, I need this to take shape now. Um, it's not about, you know, me even sure I'd love to bask in some kind of wealth or some shit like that, but that's far to the distance of, of what my actual intentions and what my, my need for this is. I need to be okay. And I need to be able to create a movement that helps cats in a bigger way that isn't being allowed in so many of these avenues that are their only their only choice. It's really their their only allies are some of the people that have signed on for the worst possible practices. So I, anywhere you guys can help me, I, I really appreciate it. And um, 
Uh, let me see. Leave it to Hogan when he say. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. I'm tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. My cheese tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you got to say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I got to hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Juice Against Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no fools. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.